Welcome to the RNA Outdoors podcast, fueled by Ripcord Arrowrest and First Light Hunting Apparel. At RNA, we are public land DIY conservationists that love to share our passion for the outdoors. So join us and our team as we interview professionals in the industry to share insight knowledge that helps make hunters and anglers more successful. listeners, subscribers, and fellow outdoorsmen and women. This is your host, Lucas Paw, and I'm excited to tell you about some of the sponsors that continue to help make this podcast not only happen, but grow and thrive in this digital world of audio content. This podcast is brought to you by Ripcord Arrowrest, the bowhunter's number one fallaway rest on the market. Ripcord is known for 100% full-time arrow containment and their patented drop-dead brake system that eliminates launcher bounce back. Best of all, Ripcord is backed by their rock-solid guarantee. If the original owner has a part break for any reason, it will be repaired or replaced at no charge. And did I mention? Ripcord is located in southwest Montana, where all their products are made with pride in America. Check them out at ripcordarrest.com and on their social media feeds. This podcast is brought to you by First Light Clothing and Hunting Apparel. Born in the Rockies in central Idaho, First Light's mission is to create simple yet proven versatile gear that provides comfort and performance in any situation while working to promote the pursuit of ethical hunting and stewardship. I recently joined the First Light Pro staff team and have continued to be impressed year after year in their innovations in engineering and merino wool fabrics. Ten years ago, they started putting out wool fabrics with camo patterns, and immediately this changed the game. Since then, they offer multiple layering systems and kits in various proprietary patterns and continue to raise the bar with their competition. Find them online at firstlight.com or under their social media feeds. Go farther, stay longer. Head an elk camp. It's really not elk camp, though, is it? Nope. Just taking the tundra for a drive today. I thought you were taking your bow for a walk. Well, <laughs> in this area, you just kind of road hunt them with your bow, so you don't even That's have true. to walk with them. <clears throat> that is very true. Well, the coffee's hot. The hostess is the mostess. Is and, that me? Well, you got hostess donuts for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Not no Cheetos today. I think yeah, I got a bag save, in here save somewhere. Them, save them for the mountain. Post kill. Well, Ben and I are rolling hot. We're uh, we're on I undisclosed, heading to all where all the elk are bugling. Well, they were bugling there in September. We're ten days in, eleven days into October. Yeah, today's the eleventh. Yesterday was the nephew's birthday, so we had a little celebratory and uh that's october 11th and uh most people are out archery hunting right now aren't they oh yeah this is when the elk really get fired up this is the big window so anyway as you all know this is the rna outdoors podcast and i'm here with co-partner co-pilot and chairman of the board 
the one and only matriarch, Ben Miller. Ben, welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Lucas. Looking forward to yeah, be so. being on the end of the bow instead of being on the call. So Ben and I have been uh, doing what we do best, and that's been uh, chasing elk. And it's been a little bit of a chase, then it was a little bit of a harvest, and then we went on a chase again and got into elk every day, and we'll kind of recap some of that. And um, we let a week go by, let a little weather come through, and now uh, we're going to go back after the wild wapiti today, October 11th, like we said, and see if uh, see if we can't get a, burst, a bull stirred up. I think it's possible. I really do. I don't know what the odds are, but uh, you're taking me to your secret spot. So you told me you were going to blindfold me and then let me out of the truck and then bugle, right? That's the plan? Yeah, you just drive up to this point, you bugle, and hopefully the elk are below us and we can uh, make a plan on them. Kind of sneak in from the side, the wind will be blowing, blowing down, so they cross that road or have been crossing that road every day harvested one bowl out of that earlier in the season so nice yeah so just a little quick recap so i i shot up here on uh, october 1st and uh got up to dillon did the old straight drive through a couple hour and a half out of st george area i think i was actually in beaver which great little town there where phone scope comes out of and anyway got up to dillon and caught up with the boys and uh, we went and did a little evening hunt didn't really get into any elk but um did see some incredible deer actually we did get into elk we got into about 400 head elk but they were on private property and uh anyway got a hold of ben and just kind of figuring out kind of what we were going to do game plan wise and uh anyway the next day you had to work so i went out and got a little hunting in myself got into some elk in the morning and uh just uh kind of had that feeling like well I could probably get in it was a decent little five by six and thinking I could have probably got in on them and and uh, I got within probably a couple hundred yards but just was kind of wanting to save the tag and see what I had what else I had out there and and, uh, so I let that bull walk and ended up going back and helping some friends the Willies Walt and Cindy great uh, great family great group of folks they got some property in the big hole there got to spend some time with walt and and, uh just really a how walt's a wealth of knowledge i know you've you've interacted with him a little bit ben out on the ranch there but uh man the guy's hunted all over the world and uh and just a good resource so anyway went out and did an evening hunt and uh bumped another bull and um just saw a ton of sign and kind of realized the spot i was in is probably a spot i need to be in first second week of september next year so kind of making a mental note of that and uh may go back in there the following year 2020 and see if we can't turn up a bigger bowl but anyway so uh, after that um shot over to uh to the cabin and, and uh, i think i called you and uh i think your first words to me were it wasn't even hello it was you'll never believe what happened to me tonight <laughs> it was so quite th- an evening i think you might have to explain what that exactly what that meant well i i took off got out of Pinesdale a little late and uh, had time to get into Polaris for an evening hunt and opened the back door, headed out and on elk immediately. They were actually bugling from the garage. You could hear them bugling, standing outside. 
I was slamming the doors, doing all that good stuff. Typical lock the truck and it beeps. Yeah, all that. Lock the truck, <laughs> set off the alarm, and then the elk answer. I don't know why it works that way. It just seems yeah. to yeah. learn that from my my father. Uh, yeah, dropped in on these bulls. There was anywhere from what four to six. Yeah. After we hunted them for a few days, we figured out how many there was. But yeah. um, I was trying to get my father-in-law to go, and he just uh, was a little too busy. So he got down in there and was videoing a couple spikes. The herd got ahead of me. I don't know how I let that happen. They just were pushing down, pushing down. Um, video and a couple spikes. Next thing you know, a little raghorn showed up in the screen, and I thought I better put the video camera down and <laughs> put my put my bow up. Yeah. Give her my best hail mary, and unfortunately, it came up a little short. Um, long walk back uh, to the truck, and uh, was excited to hear what Lucas had down over in the on the Willie place. Um, I knew uh, we could be back in there on those elk. I've hunted them a few previous years, pretty much had them patterned, um, knew where they were going to bed, and figured uh, if I could talk Lucas into staying, staying in there and going hunting with me in the morning, I thought we'd find a little bit of success. Yeah. So I showed up at the cabin, and you started kind of giving me the story, which you just talked through, and old 50 was standing there at 50, and... <laughs> and uh, he said, let the Hail Mary happen, and, and uh, that's elk hunting, though, and part of that is, I mean, it's bow hunting, and, you know, if you're a bow hunter, and uh, that's going to happen, you're going to miss, you're going to hit an animal, you might cripple an animal, hopefully you find the animal, but that's that's just all a part of, of bow hunting, and I think that's what, it's not the most exotic part of it, but um, it is what it is, so, um, but anyway, like you said, we knew, we had a pretty good idea where those elk were and what they were doing, so we got up the next morning and uh you did uh, convince me after cooking me one of those ribeye steaks to oh, <clears throat> to hang around so and um, we got up that morning and um pushed in and again immediately um we drop in and and we start hearing bugles and it's still dark you know it's it's probably 6 six fifteen ish time frame getting light around about seven twenty seven thirty time frame so um we get in there and uh you know immediately we start start hearing bugles and and uh we kind of we kind of took the same route you had taken the previous day thinking that you know let's push in there there's a nice little meadow in there and see if we can't you know get a setup and a call so we drop in there and we get into that spot and of course the elk are just screaming i mean like you said there's probably at least three to four bulls in there from what our recollection was there might have been some others that weren't even talking, but um, but there's clearly one one herd bull in there, just just letting every, all the other bulls know that that he was kind of running the show. And uh, sure enough, um, you know we got kind of did a little setup, and I popped up a little bit. You started cow calling and just got him stirred up. He was starting to go crazy, and um, it was kind of interesting because it felt like the elk were getting closer to us, right? You were yeah, they you were doing your job. And pulling them closer and then it was kind of that point where you're like okay that bugle got a little farther okay that sounds a little farther now okay now he's pointed the other way so that's when we kind of you know put it into you know the aggression mode and uh you and i kind of split off at that point and uh i kind of pushed up and and worked towards where the elk were were moving and you kind of looped around above me and uh 
again, we were still kind of calling and, and working our way in. And uh, here I am as I'm working through um, kind of the thick pine area. I push out like three cows. And uh, so they go bebopping up over the ridge. And uh, so I said, okay, well, there's elk in here. So, so I just kind of did my typical get above them, loop around them, keep the wind on my side, stay kind of right at their same level parallel. And sure enough, as I pop up just over this little bluff, there's about six or seven cows just slow feeding, so playing up. And they were kind of doing that, you know, parallel 45 degree <clears throat> uh, movement in front of me. So I kind of backed off. And uh, again, I just kind of looped around and I got into an area that was just absolutely perfect. Plenty of shooting lanes. Um, and I uh, just felt really confident about the area that I was in. So I didn't really want to push it anymore. And uh, sure enough, um, those cows just started filtering in, and they were they were just like I said, slow feeding in front of me, anywhere from like 30 to 50 yards, and uh, lots of nice cows, calves were, were moving through. And then, as I was standing there, um, I just kind of I was trying to limit my movement uh, because I wasn't out in the open. I was I was next to a pine tree, and I had a little bit of cover, but I had multiple. I had three or four shooting lanes from my left to my right, so I, I felt really confident about the area, and. Uh, I see, I see a flash kind of in the in the trees. I look to my right, and uh, I see a bull. And um, as I'm looking at him, I'm like, okay, he's he's not the herd bull. Um, he's not bugling, but he's pushing like 10 to 12 cows, and he's aggressively pushing these cows. So I was thinking, well, that's interesting. So he's got his own little click, right? He's not he's not he's not with the big herd bull working those 40 50 cows he's got his own little set of cows which i thought was interesting <clears throat> yeah, this time of year you know he's got his little girlfriends he's happy with what he has and he's going to take what he can get so exactly so he um he's pushing these cows like crazy and, and moving them around in this just this little swaled area that i was in and uh, as the cows were filtering through one of my primary shooting lanes i i ended up ranging one of them and it was 35 yards so kind of told myself I said man if this bull you know walks into this area and I you know I'd be stupid for me not to not to put an arrow in him so I knock an arrow and I'm doing all this pretty methodically as these elk are just slowly feeding in front of me and uh, sure enough this bull for the first time comes pushing around pushes a cow out and walks right into my right into my shooting lane and he stops and I'm sitting there and I'm not drawing and I'm thinking oh and I'm hearing hearing this other bull, you know, below him, bugling, screaming. I'm thinking, okay, that herd bull's working his way up. So that bull pushes off and um, starts pushing the cows again. And so then in my mind, I'm thinking, man, did I blow that? Did I blow that opportunity? And it wasn't within two minutes later, that bull comes back off where he was working those cows and steps right back into the same spot. And as he's, as he's coming into that primary shooting lane, I drew back and uh, he just... He gave me an absolutely perfect 35-yard broadside shot, and didn't even—I didn't even have to stop him. He stopped right in that area, and um, I just let an arrow fly and um, smacked him hard. Heard the smack, um, saw the luminoc sitting. Probably only had about maybe I would say four to five inches of arrow exposed. Um, didn't make full pass, but um, he was slightly slightly quartered away just slightly which which allowed the arrow to go through and I, I i punched double lung i'm pretty sure i hit top of the heart and that arrow just kind of sat right inside the shoulder blade there and um he walked off he didn't run he walked off and i started cow calling and um 
rest of the herd blew out. And uh, it was kind of cool. I was able to, to see him walk off, and uh, he went over and uh, bedded down. And uh, that's when I saw um, kind of the legs kick up, and I heard the last few breaths, um, and uh, that was it. Within, I would say, minutes, um, you know, that elk could perish. So, which for me, um, you know, ethical, clean bow hunting, um, you know, you obviously want to be as ethical as you can, as clean as you can, but you want to try to make it as quick as possible, right? And that's what it was, that bull that bull was down and, and uh, so I let him lay for for about 30 45 minutes just to make sure and uh, so I started trying to cow call to get a hold of get a hold of Ben because Ben was pushing another group of elk at that time and yeah, uh, I was up a couple uh, 300 yards ahead of you yeah ish and you were you were working that group that moved in front of me uh-huh so I, yeah I, I heard Lucas start calling which I thought was kind of strange uh, another story later in the in the podcast we'll catch up on that yeah. one but i thought it was kind of weird i thought man that's that's lucas the the cows were just going nuts all weekend um but you could kind of hear that uh rocky mountain game call squealing a little bit and i thought well we'll just meet up and head back yeah um, so you uh you headed back to to the cabin and I was kind of waiting around, and I was cow calling, and I'd throw out just a little spike bugle just to see, because, I mean, it was pretty obvious what, you know. Yeah, where you were. Where I was. And so then I didn't hear you anymore, and I was kind of wondering, okay, well, he probably probably went back to the cabin, had some stuff to do. So I, I in-reached uh, um, my brother, who then ended up, um, you know, sending a message out to our group message and ended up getting you the location and... and uh, Basically, all my inreach message said was bull down, and uh, I sent a note to, to my brother, Nick, and I said, hey, you know, if Ben's at the cabin, get a hold of him and, and have him come back in with a light pack. So, um, and I think it's a good plug for technology because um, when you send a when you send a, an inreach, which most of you that don't know, the, the Garmin inreach, which is a satellite GPS texting device, it's actually, it's a Garmin GPS, so it's got full GPS functionality capability, but it also allows you to send SMS text messages. So um, those of you that are listening, some of you got messages from me while I was in Alaska. I had zero cell phone service, but I was sending the, the inreaches while I was there, just letting folks know kind of what was going on. So did the same deal. Fortunately, had it on me. And uh, yeah, so here I, you know, working, breaking this bull down. And uh, Ben literally comes walking within <laughs> 20 yards of me whistling like, Okay, I'm, and, I'm, and I, I gave him a, a general proximity where I was at, what drainage, um, kind of a, just like I say, a general. And Ben knows that area well enough to know pretty much where I was at anyway, but he comes walking right up. And, uh, yeah, he was there, and we broke that bull down. Um, yeah, it worked out good just to be able to come in there without my bow, uh, got the trekking poles out, had everything I needed, had a couple knives. Even brought some game bags in. Yep. Uh, Lucas is always prepared. Normally. Uh, <laughs> somehow he yeah. uh, did not have game bags, so yeah. I saved the day for once. Yeah, that you did. Might be you, the last time. You did. Uh, you did there. Unfortunately, most of my game bags are uh, sitting in Alaska right now, with uh, where all my 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 uh, moose antlers are. So, <laughs> anyway, that's a story for a different podcast. But uh, anyway, yeah. So we uh, spent the rest of the day and uh, pack that bowl out. Uh, what, how many miles did we do? I did uh, 12. I was we trying did, to get yeah. a half marathon in there. but and Almost got 13.1. So I got around 10 or 11 miles, I think, that day. So 
we packed uh, packed the whole bull out and um, got him back and got him strung up at camp, uh, back at the cabin, which was nice because the temperatures were getting down in the 30s at night, so it was nice and cool. And uh, the meat, there was no problem with the meat. So yeah, our second trip, it started snowing like crazy. Yeah, yeah. So we were. Uh, <laughs> So as we got the first load out, got it back to uh, the cabin, walked back in and got the second load out. And yeah, we just started walking into a whiteout, which, you know, it's Montana weather is, it's crazy for one. Um, you know, typically September, October, you're going to expect a little nice, little bit of fall season. You're going to get some cool temps, but, you know, generally, you know, before I would even say Halloween, there's typically not snow on the ground. And um, here you and I basically... Um, all of October and even the end of September have been hunting in snow, which uh, again is not not abnormal, but uh, pretty crazy when you really think about having snow in September in Montana. Yeah, but changes the game, dynamic of the hunt. Um, obviously, it's a quiet sport, so squeaky snow can can kill you. Yeah, and that snow, I mean, after it had dropped, um, you know, you get a couple days of sunlight on it, it starts to get um, you know pretty crackly and pretty loud to walk in so it, it, it presents a different challenge when you're in the elk woods especially um you know when you're trying to get a bull down so anyway we we got the bull packed out um we took a little breather and uh kind of looked at you and said you know i think we'd be an idiot not going back in there tonight <laughs> the way those elk are screaming <laughs> And, I, was, uh, I was flat wore out at that time, You were too. at that point like, you know what, let's <laughs> kick our feet up, let's make dinner. Watch some football. Let's watch some football. I think it was and, uh, Saturday night or yeah, something. Yeah, college football, and let's get everything kind of cleaned up and organized. And So I think I sat there and looked at you, and you kind of thought about that, and you looked at me, and you're like, let's go elk hunting. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't take long to talk me into it. So we threw back our we threw our gear back on and uh, light packs, went back in, and uh, almost, I would say, almost like clockwork um we go back into that similar area and uh sure enough elk are bugling the bulls are bugling the cows are talking and um we just uh we kind of did the same thing we stayed in the same area this time i stayed back and uh was calling a little bit trying to pull um, those elk off that burn ridge that uh we'd had you know quite a bit of success turning up elk on and uh, I know we split up. You kind of went up in front of me and kind of pushed up, and I'm not sure exactly what was going on, but, you know, that bull, I mean, he, he was screaming. And then he had the other bulls, and 50 was in there. They were all just bugling like crazy. Yeah, they, they, they were working their way down, and the night before I – see, yeah, it was the night before I missed that one, and they were doing the same thing, just kind of hanging up a little. I don't know. Um, the wind was blowing up, obviously. And I don't know what, what held them up. Yeah. But you were working that cow call. They were responding like crazy. Yeah. Yeah, they were. And, you know, it's the hard part about hunting elk later in the season is, is, you know, these, these bigger bulls have their hair of cows. And for you to sit there and squeak your little cow call and be that one little cow versus his 40, he's probably not going to leave his group of cows to come and try to breed you. Now, that's not to say that you're not going to pull a smaller bull off, which was was part of our strategy thinking okay if, if the herd bull walks by we're going to let narrow fly but if we can slip one of these you know smaller five or six points off you know that's clearly a clearly an opportunity for us so um yeah so i couldn't break this bull free so then i i started bugling i started breaking branches and he didn't like that and uh 
fired him up. And I knew he didn't like that because he bugled. I challenged him back. He bugled right back to me. So that's what I knew. I said, okay, I got his attention. But, um, you know, I think unfortunately had we had about 30 more minutes of sunlight, I think uh, I think we would have had an opportunity at those elk. It just, um, I think we just ran out of light. Yeah, I got, and, a, got a few glimpses, but they just, uh, just knew something wasn't right down below them. Yeah. And I actually, I was, of course, back calling back in this little thicket of pines. And, of course, I had two cows walk by me at literally less than five yards, um, which <clears throat> I don't know. I don't call, consider myself the elk whisperer, but it seemed like every time I went out this year, it was like I had elk all over me. But anyway, that's that's a story for another another time. But So we went back to the cabin, and we're kind of just thinking about, Okay. Well, okay. Strategy. It's Saturday. Um, what was it? Uh, April. I guess it would have been April fifth, right? The day I shot my bull. So. October fifth. <clears throat> excuse me. October fifth. April fifth is. Uh, <laughs> that's a few months away. Yeah. Have some more uh, hot chocolate. Anyway. Um, yeah. So we were thinking about. You know. Like I said, we were kind of thinking. You know. What strategy tomorrow? And it was pretty obvious what we were going to do. So. Got a good night's rest. And uh, called up uh, called up your uh, your buddy there, uh, Mr. Jay Lemon, and, and Jay uh, Jay came up to the cabin. Yeah. Had, had a few beers with us, had dinner, and uh, and uh, you gave him one of the secret weapons. You might want to explain what that oh, is. Oh yeah, I well, um, we all have those friends out there that they'll do anything for you. They'll they'll come hunting with you. They're not diehard hunters, but but when you need them and you just want an extra extra guy with you and. A, call uh you always have a spare hoochie mama laying around so <laughs> he showed up uh he just kind of came up for the celebration of the harvest of the elk and uh, just a good time catch up and i kind of threw out there hey that's that's uh we're gonna go on a quick hunt tomorrow morning you ought to join us i got a call for you and boy he knows how to run one of them hoochie moms oh, yeah. like no other yeah he's there's, got them smooth he's smooth thumb finger and <laughs> there's no doubt yeah so uh sunday morning rolls around and and uh just i don't know it's, it's kind of one of those days it feels like this morning like ben and i are heading to, to go turn up some milk this morning but it was kind of one of those days you just felt good like you just felt okay you, you've got an idea where the elk are there's no one else hunting this area right and we're on public land and uh which is a rarity. I mean, to be honest, I mean, um, there's just not many areas anymore in any state that are that are not inhabited by hunters, and uh, it's really forced the elk into different areas and, and pushed them out of their natural habitat. But um, so, and I've been saying it for years. This October is a good time. And you have, uh, and you've always hunters, told me that. A lot of hunters hang up their bows. Yep. Uh, this year, usually we're doing this podcast on uh, what September seventh. Correct. Not yeah, October eleventh. Between the eighth and about the fourteenth, we're usually talking about elk, <laughs> but not. Yeah, not October eleventh. So I was uh, excited. I, this this year was exciting for me. I got to get Lucas out on my October hunts, and I, he. I don't think he actually believed me that elk bugled in October until I had to prove well, it they, to him. They don't. Yeah. September thirtieth, I think. Uh, I think they shut off. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's a that's just kind of where we got to to behind this October. Yeah. And and I do think a lot of hunters just give it up, put their bow away, get their rifle out, get it sighted in. Sure. And that that's how we have those opportunities late in the season. Uh, elker, they're obviously at the end of their rut, but they're they're there's still plenty of them out there. Yeah. I mean, and there's truth to. 
you know, these cows going through a second cycle of estrus. So, you know, some of these cows, I mean, you got to figure in a group of 20, 30 cows, you know, one bull, he's going to try to breed all of them, but he's probably not going to make it happen on every cow. So if those cows don't hold two, they're going to cycle again. And that cycle, you know, gestation time from the time that, um, you know, basically they, um, well, from the time that their first cycle hits to their second cycle is within probably that, I think they say like anywhere from like 18 to 28 days. So, um, if they cycle early in September, they're going to cycle again sometime, you know, in October. Um, and, and clearly, I mean, I, I think there are probably some cows in that group that were not, um, that did not get bred on the first round, um, because just by the way, um, you know, looking at some of those cows, the way they were mewing, the way they were talking, um, kind of just their, the way that they were kind of working around that one bull, I, you know, clearly there were some cows that were, that were needing to get bred. So, well, and you look at the calf calf crop. There was some calves the size of what small deer. Yeah. So that yeah. tells me that obviously they're getting bred a little bit later. Correct. So they're dropping dropping maybe in that June time frame, maybe just a little bit later, and and uh, those calves just aren't quite as big as they normally are. But uh, anyway, so Sunday rolls around, and basically the same strategy. Um, we had convinced lemon that elk don't bugle in, in October and, and uh, we we're going to keep that rumor true at that point. And yeah. Anyway, we, we get in there and uh, sure enough, um, almost like clockwork and it was a little, the switch was turned a little later in the morning, but um, once, uh, once the sun was up, um, we were, we were covered up in elk and uh, you know, Jay and I kind of pushed back and, and we were kind of enticed that bull, um, the herd bull, which we've been hearing bugle in the last couple days just to come at us and um, as we started setting up a stand for calls, um, you could totally tell, um, you know, he was interested in our calls and, uh, he was, he was pushing up that Canyon, uh, pushing his cows and, you know, working his way up to us. We had you, I, I figured you were probably 80 to hundred yards in front of me. So I thought, you know, from a, from a calling standpoint, we had probably the right setup, um, with Jay and I kind of split 60, 70 yards apart and, and you and the triangle there in front of us. Yeah, and, perfect. Uh, that bull was coming and, uh, I don't know, maybe you can kind of explain what all happened or the dynamic of what happened. I couldn't see a lot of it and I didn't really, um, see what unfolded, but you know, clearly that bull was cutting in on us and, and something happened. We had bull coming up, um, heard talk, getting close to those cows. Um, I was trying to find a good shooting lane. Um, well, in fact, I was trying to find some cover. So yeah. I wasn't looking for a shooting lane. I was looking for some uh, cover to get behind or to, to stand by. And uh, I made a quick run up off this logging road, and there he was. He was coming. Um, it was not the herd bull. It was another bull sneaking in. Uh, to the two cows behind me, Jay and Lucas. And poor, poor decision on my part. I was, I was about 70 yards ahead of the guys, and um, I just, just wanted to get into a little bit better cover. Yeah. And um, that, that herd bull was still down a little bit lower, kind of doing the similar thing he did the, the morning before. Okay. He kind of rounded up his cows, pushed a little down. Yeah. Um, that bull... Uh, slip did slip by me. I kind of bumped him a little bit, got a couple cow calls in, um, calmed him down, got him back over to the to the uh, north of me, <clears throat> and and 
caught a caught a glimpse of him. He was headed up. He was going to those cows, whether whether I was in his way or not. Um, and he actually did get past me, and I think he kind of bugled up the hill past you. And yeah. I kind of thought Lucas let out a bugle, but he said it was just all just all those elk up above. Yeah. Um, at that time, we still had that herd bull and the cows cows below us. I wanted to regroup, uh, so I ran up, sat down with the boys, and they told me all the elk they had seen that just walked to them. If I just stay with them, I'd probably be a little bit more successful of a hunter. <laughs> so yeah, there was elk passing behind us. Cows were pushing in front of us. It was again just one of those days in the elk woods. You're just like you know. Most people sit here and tell you, man, I haven't seen an elk all year, and here we're just covered up in them. Yeah. Right. At that so. point, we regrouped. I'll let Lucas kind of lead this one. Yeah. So we uh, we uh, <clears throat> so we we basically at that point kind of called the morning hunt. I think um, we did do one more stand of calls, and uh, and uh, you know, it's typical. I mean, we were we were in elk. We just we just didn't have the opportunities that we that we had first thing in the morning so we went back regrouped and uh came back uh, that evening and uh, we went basically did the same thing same process and uh, we're in there and started setting up a stand of calls and nothing was talking and uh, here it's about six o'clock and, and the day before we were packing out the elk um it was about what five five fifteen old herd bull started started squawking yeah, yeah we Yep, it was. So we went in early that night. Yeah, so we Sunday went early night. thinking, hey, let's uh, let's drop in there and see if we can't uh, maybe get in a little deeper, a little farther than we did the night before and see if we can catch them sooner so we actually have some light to, to make it happen. And So we go in there and we're calling, setting up a stand, and we're all just kind of doing a little cow party, squawking all over the place, nothing. Um, even threw out a bugle or two, locate, nothing. So we're kind of thinking, huh, that's funny. But at the same time, also thinking, okay, so they're all in this herd now knowing that, you know, Johnny isn't around anymore. And they also know that there's been all these cow calls going around um, that are not within their group. So they're probably getting a little smarter. Um, so we split up. Um, ben basically starts running the show and says, Lemon, shoot down around the corner, check up that canyon one side. And then he looked at me and he goes, hey, go push up there and, and uh, we'll just do start we'll just start calling like crazy and see if something comes in so um we split up and uh, i kind of pushed up the ridge i don't know i'd say maybe a couple hundred yards at most and uh wouldn't you know it as i'm as i'm working up and i actually wanted to try to get to this forest service road uh, and then kind of walk that up a little bit i get maybe 15 20 yards from that road and i just tend to look up and i see white and I'm like, okay, what's that? I put my binoculars up. Sure enough, there's a cow elk right there. Unbelievable luck of Lucas Paw. Here it goes. So <laughs> here's here's Lemon and Ben just freaking going off with the cow calls. And here I am pinned at 60 to 80 yards on this group of elk. And I'm not calling. I'm just sitting there just watching them. And, uh, yeah, so I just sat there for probably 20 minutes. These guys yeah. are just screaming and screaming calls. And, there's smaller raghorn walks out looks over the looks over the edge looking down like what the heck is that all these cows are walking over with their heads up i mean unbeknownst he had no idea i was there wind was perfect on my side um and i'm just sitting there watching about 20 cows feed out off that forest service road and they're just lightly feeding working their way down um to where ben and jay were and literally said completely oblivious to to where i was yeah we're pushing about seven o'clock at that time yeah it was I'm getting thinking, later i'm just pissed lucas so. isn't following the plans i give him one 
one thing to do. One thing to do, and he's up there just sitting on his thumb or whatever. I don't know what the heck he was doing. Get up there and cow calling. Here I am sitting there, not cow calling. So I, um, I rounded up Jay at that time. Yep. Or you want to go? or No, go ahead. I rounded up Jay, and I said, hey, we got to go get Lucas. We got to straighten him out. He's got one job he's supposed to call. We're supposed to sound like a herd of elk. And a little twinge in the back of my mind thought, you know, maybe maybe there's some elk standing on top of him like they always do. They seem to like Lucas. He <laughs> smells right or something. And <clears throat> Old Spice. Yeah. Yeah, it's good scent. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, so I, so then the, the you guys stop calling, and then I hear you guys start tramping through the forest, stepping yeah. on twigs. and So that really gets the elk's attention. And while you're doing that, I'm looking down, and I look back up, and I see... I see the silhouette, and I see, you know, in the pines, you can see the head turn, and you can see that royal point in that back fork. And I saw what I believe to be was the herd bull. Um, he was about 80 yards away. He was up on top of the hill. He had just crested out of the uh, of the of where the Forest Service Road was, so I got a pretty good look at him. I popped my binoculars up, and I was like, yeah, that's got to be him. And uh, he was a good six-point, really nice six-point, and... Uh, Unfortunately, um, I kind of turned back around. At that point, one of the cows had pinned me because I was kind of making movement, and I was looking down at you guys, like, kind of giving you the, guys, yeah. you know, they're here, the elk are here, like, quiet kind of signal, and you guys didn't see me. And um, after that, that, that group blew out, and um, I popped down the ridge and kind of told you guys what, what was going <laughs> on. And, of course, Ben, you're just like, you got to be kidding me. I mean, seriously. But uh, I always tell him, I said, don't leave my side. I'll find the elk. Oh, yeah. He's always been that lucky charm. So anyway, we we may have got back into him before dark. We pushed out a couple mule deer. And um, that pretty much uh, that pretty much closed down the weekend of hunting um, for us. Um, you know, that weekend was pretty incredible. Um, like I said, I, can count, I think I can count on one hand how many times I've been in kind of a rut bugle fest like that. You know, I've, we've had a couple opportunities in, in one of our spots. And as a younger kid, I remember with my dad in the breaks hunting, hunting elk and just bulls screaming like crazy. Um, and, of course, you and I shared the New Mexico hunt last year. Yeah. And uh, basically from, you know, 10 at night till 2 in the morning, there had to have been 15 different bulls just screaming their lungs out, walking within a few hundred yards of our camp. Right so, at camp. It was incredible. Yeah. So, I mean, those are those times that, I mean, when you're with someone, you cherish that moment, that memory. You never forget it. Uh, but it also, you know, when I think about elk behavior and elk talk, it, it's, it's, it's fun to be in those situations because you hear the cows, how they talk, how they're calling. And I always try to model some of my calls after, you know, hearing a real-life elk. Um, but then also interacting and engaging with the bulls. And, uh, you know, as they bugle, I would always cow call after their bugle just to let them know, you know, hey, I'm interested in you. I would wait. I would wait. I wouldn't try to entice him. He would bugle. I would cow call immediately after that. So, again, it was kind of getting his attention. Like anytime he would talk, I would respond to him with the cow call. And uh, so it's those types of things, you know, you're trying to break that bull loose and, and you know, I've always said nine times out of ten, um, it's not going to happen, but you never know when it's going to be that one time. And uh, that bull comes, you know, walking up the path looking at you. you got to make it happen. So um, so just a fun weekend. We went back to the cabin, and uh, we, we split ways. And uh, I actually uh, 
just out of curiosity's sake, uh, went back in there that morning. And those elk were in there. They weren't talking uh, very much. I th- thought I heard some cow calls, but I didn't hear I didn't hear any bugles, t- to my knowledge. And uh, but you know, we also talked about you know they probably need a few days off. You know, when you're pushing them like that, and uh, and I wouldn't say we push those elk. Um, I would say we maybe got them moving a little bit a couple times, but we never really, you know, pushed them to the point where we blew them out. You know, I think they were just really cautious and, and kind of shut off the light switch and for a few days and uh, should be ready this weekend for a, for another fest. Yeah, looking forward to getting back in there. Uh, so, we're gonna check a new area this morning out. Yep. Well, one of my old areas, but new area for Lucas. I've been itching to get him over here. Yeah, uh, excited to excited to be in here learned how to hunt here 22 years ago and um been in there a few times this year it's been good um had a bear run through our camp earlier in september so there's there's bears in the that country opportunity. But, yeah yeah so no i'm looking forward to it this is probably going to be my my last elk hunt of the year um and uh I've, as long as I've known Ben for quite a few years now, he's always talked about taking me into this one spot where his dad took him many years ago. And that's pretty special when you can go to places like that where, you know, a lot of us learned how to hunt. I think about where I grew up and some of the mule deer hunting. I, I try to go back to some of those places every year where my dad took me. It's just, you remember the memories, you remember certain areas. Um, it's just special to be able to do that. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'm hopeful that uh, on our way back to town, we'll be... Uh, back on the headsets with a with a nice six point in the back oh, of the man, truck and, i hope so <laughs> um, so we'll see the weather's kind of blown in it's, it's supposed to be in the teens um so it's going to be cold but uh you know sometimes that obviously can get the elk fired up too um so we'll just kind of see what we turn up and uh and go from there so how you feeling i feel pretty good yeah yeah we got the shanks figured out this weekend so yeah got the bow dialed back in um, Bow's ready to go. <clears throat> got my collar behind me. Well, I should be in front of. Well, you should just stand. I my should side. be behind Lucas. Yeah, I'll go up front. <laughs> put a bow in my hand. Yeah, but. wait till the elk walk by him and and surprise him. Yeah. And we're grouse season too, so this is big grouse country. Okay. So I'm kind of excited. Gotta, I want to bring some grouse brack straps home ju- as well. You got a judo on your quiver? Oh yeah. All yep. right. Yep. Good. All right. Well, reporting to you on the freeway here we're going to be uh, into elk here in about in an hour we're going to push off the highway here and uh hopefully see what we can turn up and uh see if ben can't get her done so yeah we got to get our bugler ready we got uh, 30 minutes to pull over on the side of the road and let a bugle out all right well team rna working it october 11th <laughs> it's friday so we'll see what we come up with anyway thanks for listening uh, hopefully uh, you enjoyed the show. Kind of give you a little bit of background about my elk hunt this year, and uh, it's always a uh, always fun time to be out in the elk woods. Um, you know, I've always been a September elk hunter, usually early. I like to find the bulls early, but uh, Ben might have convinced me that October is a is a good month to hunt too. So anyway, stay tuned. Thanks for listening, guys, uh, and we'll catch you guys for another adventure on the RNA Outdoors podcast. This is Lucas Paw, host of the RNA Outdoors podcast. Please check out Podbean and iTunes. If you have an iPhone or iPad, 
go to the podcast app on your device, search for RNA Outdoors, and hit the purple subscribe button. When doing this, it will automatically upload when new podcasts are loaded and they will download into your queue. For Android users, you can access the podcast through Podbean, Stitcher, or use our website, www.rnaoutdoors.com forward slash podcast. In addition, under the RNA Outdoors podcast channel, please leave a review and a five-star rating. These reviews help boost our popularity and outreach. You can also follow us on our social media outlets, Twitter at RNA Outdoors, Facebook, RNA Outdoors, and Instagram, Rod and Arrow Outdoors. All links are in the show notes as well. If you like what you've heard, we hope you'll pass along our channel to your friends and colleagues. Keep up the good fight. We cannot sit by and watch the public lands devoted to wildlife protection wither away. There's simply too much at stake. Make your voice heard, speak up, and get involved with conservation efforts. And know that every little bit helps. As we say on the mountain, go farther, stay longer.